Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Chargers Podcast Network. My name is Steven and I am the host as always and joining me today is my guy Tyler. Tyler, what's up man? How are you doing this evening? I'm doing fantastic and I just realized today that I am seeing Metallica at SoFi Stadium this weekend. A bucket list item for me, so even if the game's not great, the uh, the concert's going to be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, Metallica. Uh, our guy Arjun went to see them in uh, New York a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm very jealous. I'm, I would love to go see Metallica. Um, you know, Metallica was super big when my uh, oldest brother was growing up. Um, I think I've said this before, but my first CD was a Green Day CD. <laughs> my second one was a Metallica CD right that uh, my brother got me for my birthday. And, um, you know, the... Uh, the return of Metallica, courtesy of Stranger Things, has been really, really <laughs> strong, I think, and it's been fun to see. Yeah, it's been awesome. It's a bucket list thing for me. I wanted to do the 100,000 people in Germany sort of concert, but SoFi Studio, not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, all right, so we uh, have a busy show planned for you guys, of course, uh, as we always do. We're going to have some final takeaways from the Chargers preseason game against the Saints, and then we're going to kind of Look ahead to uh, this upcoming weekend against the 49ers. Uh, that'll be happening on Friday night. So we kind of wanted to make some adjustments from our show last week, where last week was really heavy on the takeaways from the previous game. Today we're going to do a little bit more uh, stuff on the future, you know, upcoming uh, matchup with the 49ers in terms of things we want to see change, things we want to see improve. Um, and some other stuff like that. So I'm excited to uh, dive in today. Yeah, going to be awesome, uh, and hopefully the game's good. Yeah, uh, Friday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> don't love that, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, that being said, before we get started, of course, uh, Tyler and I are fans of the team, just like you guys listening. We're very fortunate to have this platform, and we're very grateful for it. Um, but the opinions that we express on this show and every show that we do for the Chargers channel are not always reflective of the opinions of the Chargers organization themselves. Um, at the end of the day, we are independent content creators, and uh, we're very happy to be here and, and express these opinions that we, we have on tonight's show. All right, Tyler, let's dive in here. Um, again, we'll do kind of one big takeaway. Each of us will do hand out some game balls like we did last week. Um, to uh, Darius Davis and Andrew Farmer. So I'm curious to see who the choices are this week. But, uh, you know, we've had some time to reflect, look at the data, look at the film. Tyler, what is your biggest takeaway from the Chargers and Saints preseason game? It was very difficult to find a true takeaway for that yeah. game because there wasn't a side of the ball that was, you know, particularly dominant or particularly bad. And there wasn't a player that had an overwhelmingly positive or overwhelmingly negative day and even the players that you might think you know didn't have such a great day they had a great game the previous game so is it really a takeaway to pick apart their game after just having a really good game and yes i'm kind of talking about east and stick there what stood out to me then after watching everything all the way through and i kind of quote unquote blame jordan mcfadden here on this one what stood out was the resilience of young first and second year players on this team whether that's between mm -hmm. last game to this game or within the game itself. And I'll start with Jordan McFadden, who, you know, I don't think he had a, a bad debut by any means against the Rams, but it wasn't a great game from him. After watching things back through and watching the film in the All-22, Jordan McFadden had a really, really solid outing. I was pleasantly surprised. I can't tell from the broadcast angle, but you would be able to watch him again and kind of focus on him and some of the interior play. He had a really, really good game. So his bounce back from first game to this game was fantastic. 
Quentin Johnston did not have a great first debut, but then they put him back in the game and they gave him that last shot. Great touchdown. And there was bounce back just within that game. And what do you see? Like, what would the difference have been if they didn't let him do that at the end of that first game? I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't be very confident in this game. You can't quantify this. And he had 30 something yards or whatever, but you could tell there was just more confidence in the way he was playing, attacking the football. Obviously he caught every pass. The resilience that he showed was fantastic. Darius Davis muffs a punt early in this game after having a great first week, but then ah muffs a punt this game. That's very defeating and it could get to him instead on their final scoring drive. He has three catches, two of them on third down and they were not easy. They were very clutch third down catches on that final drive and they scored partially because of him. Dayon Henley, JT Woods could have had a better start to the game. I think there's some plays that they would like to have back, but they performed so well after that, that we're not talking about the mistakes that they had made. We're talking about good games from these guys, you know, whether it's tackles, passes broken up, sacks, etc., stops. Both those guys recovered from maybe not a great start to the game, but they really started to find themselves and rebound. And so to me, there was no amazing standout play or player or whatever from the game, but I really appreciated the way that each of these guys battled as very young players. And it just shows that Look, these guys are going to have to play at some point. A lot of these guys are going to have to play, but most of them are are depth guys or the second guy or the third guy or whatever. They're going to have to play. And to see that they went out there and had some mistakes, took their lumps, whatever, but fought back, I think that's really the takeaway for me is the resilience of these very, very young players. They're going to have to play. You know, Maybe they won't play a ton to start, but guys get hurt. They're going to have to play. And seeing these guys rebound from the last game to this game or within this game was fantastic. And there were many first and second year players who had like just have been great. Zion Johnson is awesome, but he's just he's just been really, really, really good in these last couple of games. I love seeing these guys bounce back. It really speaks to their character and I love their resilience. Yeah, I, I love the way that you put that. And, you know, Jordan McFadden to me was definitely a standout after watching the tape. And like you mentioned, you you can kind of get a sense for the run game and you can always tell when like the pocket is is not super firm up front um but it, it's really difficult to gauge how a guard or a center is really playing without being able to watch that end zone view and Jordan McFan I thought was outstanding I mean he allowed zero pressures on on pro football focus which sometimes can be misleading you know there's yes <laughs> there's sometimes where PFF pressure or not pressure can kind of go the other way and you know, they do have their statistic, which is like, even if you don't give up zero pressures, like it doesn't mean you're always winning your reps. But I thought Jordan McFannon won a lot of his reps. And there were several times where he got isolated uh, against Brian Brzee, who was a you know borderline first round pick for the Saints. Um, very talented pass rusher, you know, defensive tackle type. Um, Malcolm Roach is a quality defensive tackle who's going to play a lot for them. He got isolated against him. Mm-hmm. There were some really high level uh, cutoff blocks in the run game that I saw from Jordan McFadden. I was very, very pleased with the way that he played last week. You know, there are obviously the two holding penalties, just some things that I think needed to be cleaned up with his hand Mm -hmm. technique. But um, I thought the way that he responded this week was fantastic. And, um, you know, I still think that his best long-term position is at guard. Um, we'll see what happens in terms of some future flexibility down the road of his or Jamari Sawyer's or something like that. But 
um, for the Chargers to have him rounding into shape heading into the season. And, and we talked about Zach Bailey last week. You know, this team has two really quality backup guards that they can kind of have confidence in heading into the season. Um, and that's with two great starters, like you mentioned, Zion Johnson, Jamari Sawyer. Um, Zion, man, he's <laughs> he's just kind of on a different planet in the preseason. Like, he, he, it is what you expect, right, for a guy of his uh, pedigree and the way that he played last season. He's been dominant in his snaps. It's only been, I think, 27 is the total number, something like that. Uh, through two preseason games, but uh, super clean, just like dominant in the run game. We're seeing him them use him more as a puller in the run game, and it's just fantastic to watch. So I had a similar thought process of how to approach this show because mm-hmm. I wanted to highlight some of the 2022 draft class outside of Zion and Jamari, who were starters last year, were heavy contributors. Um, but we've really seen Isaiah Spiller take very positive steps in this preseason you know, he had the one big run, um, which really showed off the kind of balance and patience that we saw at uh, Texas A&M. He's really coming into his own right now. Um, JT Woods, who you just mentioned, has had some really good moments in the preseason. You know, outside of the penalty, I think he's been pretty solid so far. And then Dean Leonard, I think, has been fantastic. He's really taken a pretty sizable step forward in his development this summer in general. Um, he had a pass breakup that was really like high level stuff today or not today, excuse me, on Sunday. And it's a play that we've seen Asante Samuel Jr. do quite a bit where he's kind of in that, that borderline flat, you know, deep hole shot kind of area. And Dean Leonard just booked it and ran and leaped and got his hand on a football and, and had a really nice pass breakup. He had a couple run stops. He's really active in that regard. I really appreciate the way that he's playing the run right now. So you mentioning the 2021 class and and some of these other guys like i think the 2022 class is really starting to take shape right now in a very positive way for the chargers i'm so glad you brought up dean leonard he was so close to being the the game ball guy for me i almost feel like i could give him like a an off-season ball because of how he's performed throughout the entire off-season it hasn't been like one specific game where he has like oh five pass breakers or something like he did in training camp that one day but he's been so good and just seeing him play the run, play the pass, pass breakups, great on special teams. Um, you know, I said it the last time we talked about this game. I think Dean Leonard is the player I've been the most wrong about. Uh, the about face that he's done. Now, he hasn't played meaningful regular season snaps. It's not like he's out there and he's going against Justin Jefferson in, in week two or whatever. Or week three, excuse me. It's not like that's happened yet. But what he's done with almost no experience in college actually playing legitimate college football to basically like four days into camp last year where he was knocking everything down what they've done Derek Ansley Brandon Staley all these guys what they've done with him is incredible his development's awesome and I can't wait to see where he goes from here yeah absolutely um I think my biggest takeaway from this performance though which I'm I'll dive into here is the way that Tuli Tui Pelotu played mm. uh, against mostly Trevor Penning. I, d- I don't think I saw him flip sides very much at all. Um, Trevor Penning, a first-round pick pedigree kind of guy who didn't play a ton as a rookie, but got to play you know down the back half of their season and played well. Um, Brandon Thorne, who's one of the biggest offensive line gurus in the in, in on social media, is is pretty high on Trevor Penning. Obviously, he's another Duke Manny Weather guy. 
So Trevor Penning has some legitimate like chops to him, and there was uh, there was a really great battle between those two um, in their limited action. I would have loved to see some extended drives happen just to see that matchup really come to fruition. But you know, Tuli got him on the run stuff on the run stuff, obviously, which mm-hmm. was a fantastic rep. Um, Tuli had another pressure as well, and there was another time where Trevor uh, got him on the ground on a on kind of a where Tuli tried to turn the corner on him. Yeah. Um, but overall, like the early returns on Tuli Tuipolotu have been so positive and, and I was pretty high on him. I felt like heading into this, in, heading into training camp, but he's really exceeded my expectations. And I think the, the way that he can defend the run is really going to elevate his floor and, and give the Chargers an edge three situation that we haven't really seen so far under Brandon Staley. And I think just the the effort and the motor that he always plays with is is such a great standout. Um, but I, I think it's more than just like he he's playing hard. Like he's really setting the edge at the proper times. He's being aggressive after tackles for loss at the proper times. Um, he got Trevor Penning on a cross chop this week. So it, it's just like the refinement is really coming along at a at a higher pace than I would have thought. Um, and I think he can be a really disruptive factor for the Chargers this year. And I'm really excited to see what Brandon Staley can do with, you know, kind of like the NASCAR packages but with Morgan Fox, Thule, Joey Bosa, and Cleo Mack. And I think you can really just uh, pin their ears back and cause havoc. And so, the like I mentioned, the, the early returns for Thule have exceeded my expectations. And I think, like, the comfort level right now with him being an instant impact factor have really grown throughout the preseason and training camp. And I think that, you know, his ability is is just going to continue to get better and better. And, and he talked about this after the game with Eric Smith, where he's just always trying to learn. You know, he'll come off to the sideline and ask Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, like, hey, like, what did you see from this? What did you see from that? What did you see from the offensive tackle? Like, it just he's absorbing so much knowledge from the edge room and he gets to go up against Rashawn Slater and practice every day, like and Trey Pipkins for sure. Yeah, and it, it's just like a wealth of knowledge that he can absorb. And I've been so happy with how he played. And you know, if you hadn't taken your takeaway the way that you did, that you know the twenty twenty two draft class would have been my thing. But uh, had to bring up Thule in the way that he played after hearing your takeaway there. Yeah, he's been awesome. I I, I jockey between him and Quentin Johnson as the best rookie performers so far. One guy gets a lot more views and hype, and it's easier to see what he can do. But seeing Tui right. play really from like a couple of practices to the scrimmage and now, again, we keep singing his praises. He's way more developed. And you never really know. Like You never really know where these guys are going to go. Like Someone like, I'm just throwing this out, like Gregory Russo. These guys have a lot of talent. These guys yeah. can do maybe a lot of things, and you see maybe they could do these things. But like, can you refine them into doing like a couple of things well enough where they can contribute early on? And I'm sorry, I don't know what Greg Russo's stats were his rookie year. But Thule, they came out and said, I forget if it was, if it was Tom Telesco or Brandon Staley, they said, we didn't take any projects. We took guys that are going are gonna to play right now, and they're going to contribute meaningfully. doesn't mean they have to start, but they're going to contribute. But with Thule, again, we just didn't know. We saw him do so many things at USC. And he's 20 freaking years. He's still 20 years old. We've been talking about him for months. He's still 20. It's not even September yeah. yet. He's going to turn 21 in September, I believe. They said no projects, and so, but we weren't really sure. And he's done, every, he's done more than any of us would have guessed. I think you very much so liked him watching him. I didn't watch him until after the draft. After watching him, 
all the potential was there, but what does it turn into in the NFL? And based on the way he battled against Trevor Penning, you can't help but feel really, really good. And there are so many moments where you can tell, like in a year, when he starts to develop a bit more and learn a bit more and work with these guys and play in the NFL, the almosts will turn into legit plays that he's making. Like he's very, very close on a few plays. Yes, Trevor Penning would you know, recover very well. He's got a year on him. He's very athletic. Obviously works with Duke Manyweather. You get Tui in another year of just working against guys like that, and again against Rashawn Slater, Trey Pipkins, he's going to be something. He's, he's honestly going to be fantastic. I'm very excited about him. Yeah, I think it's, you know, the age thing, I'm sure some people are tired of hearing about it. But, you know, most most pass rushers in the league, like unless you're like a legit like top 10 guy, most pass rushers peak at like 25. And for the way that Thule is playing right now as a 20 year old, Mm -hmm. like really the sky is the limit for him. You know, again, he's in such a great situation. He doesn't have to be the edge one like he he's not going to be required to be a three down player right now like he gets to learn from two of the best edge rushers in the game right now he's got a great position coach in Giff Smith mm-hmm. like there's there's no pressure on Tuli for him to like be an instant impact player but I think that's the case like I think mm-hmm. he's truly going to be one for this team this year yeah and the ripple effect is you know Joey Bosa Khalil Mack I think they played like almost 90 percent of the snaps the first two games last year they didn't really yep. have an official edge three that they really felt like they could rely on. And sure, like maybe there's some unproven nature to Thule and to Chris Rumpf, even heading to Chris Rumpf's year three. But like, how much better do you feel as Joey, as Khalil, as Brandon Staley, knowing you can help these guys and keep them healthy and keep the rotation going? And the longevity might be there now for Joey Bosa, who's like, he's not gone next year unless they trade him. The contract really indicates that he's going to be here. And what he's struggled with, and even, you know, Brandon Thorne, I read his recent breakdown of Joey, you know, these offensive tackles consistently list him as a top five guy, but he just can't stay out there all the time because by the time the season ends, he's just very worn down. Now you can put yeah. Thule out there. Now you can put Chris Rumpf out there, and you don't have to play these guys 90% of the snaps. I'd love if they did. They're awesome. They're all pro guys, but you don't have to. And, and so I think Joey Khalil, Brandon Steele, these guys got to be feeling so good seeing this 20-year-old, and, and Chris Rump for that matter, develop and take steps in training camp this year. Yeah, I think that's very, very well said, uh, wrapping up that conversation. Um, all right, Tyler, let's get to our uh, game ball segment here. Who do you want to highlight as the game ball of the week for you? I am going to give it to Gerard Clark, who now leads all, all interior right. defensive linemen for the NFL, not just rookies, all interior defensive linemen in run stops. And he's fourth in run stop rate at 25%. He also had another two pressures this game too. And I always feel like he's close to getting a sack and always the guy that helps the other guy get the play sometimes when it's a sack. Um, But if he doesn't make the play, he's always helping other guys make plays. Um, He's a guy who's exceeded my expectations. Even though he was our number one undrafted free agent, most likely to make the team, part of that was because of the circumstances related to the position group and the injuries we didn't know with Austin Johnson, with Otito Ogbonia, how these guys would hold right. up. If, you know, would they get any better? We didn't know. But I think Gerard Clark over the last two weeks, and, and really this game as well, has shown that he belongs on the roster. Will it happen? We'll see. There's so many guys jockeying for different spots. But at the very least, he's earned the right to be there. And whereas the Chargers have kind of always had a nose tackle who could be very good against the run, but maybe not offer you much beyond that. And we'll see what Gerard Clark, there's a lot more games to be played or one more game to be played, but a lot of football in his career to be played. 
the two pressures in this game are very, very strong indicators that there is something else there for Gerard Clark beyond just being the run-stopping guy. Like, they do need some guys who can rush the passer, too. You can't just make the team necessarily on just the one thing you do really well, and maybe that's it. You got to do at least one more thing. And Gerard Clark having these pressures is fantastic. So not who I would have expected um, after this game. I certainly could have gone with a couple of players, um, particularly on defense. But I think Gerard Clark was awesome this game. Yeah, uh, you mentioned just his overall disruption, I think, has really improved over the last, really, since we saw the scrimmage. You know, I thought he had a really good scrimmage. He was pretty solid last week. He was Mm -hmm. really good this past Sunday, I think, as well, in my opinion. There were just a couple of times where he um, truly was like a line of scrimmage setter. And that's something that, obviously, uh, Brandon Fajoko did really well for this team last year. And of, like, the guys who are really playing in the preseason, he's really the only one that can truly be a line of scrimmage setter. Um, that's his role, obviously, and I think he executes that well. But the pass rush has been a very pleasant surprise. So I'm glad you highlighted him. I, I don't know how his chances are of making the roster at this point. Austin Johnson, obviously, coming back off the pup list has, has made that a little bit more difficult. But, you know, we really haven't gotten any updates on Otito. And so there's really no true, like, backup nose tackle behind Sebastian Joseph Day and Gerard is is that guy so um still kind of up in the air but I I, the Austin Johnson thing does kind of change things there yeah it definitely does all right who's your who's your game ball of the day uh my game ball again kind of a surprise based off of what kind of our expectations were for him but I'm gonna go with JT Woods for this one Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that, you know, there was the, the bad angle on the screen, but outside of that, I thought he was really, really solid. Um, we saw him have two pass breakups or at least two, like, you know, two times where he got his hands on the football, obviously he saved a big play over the middle to the tight end. Um, Kroll, I think his name is, um, where he really like timed that ball perfectly. And, you know, Dan Fouts was highlighting on the broadcast that, so many of these DBs were just like right in the right spot at the right time when it came to their hand usage. That really does feel like an emphasis that Derek Ansley has brought to the team this year. Mm. And I think we're seeing that come to fruition with JT Woods. I think that um, I would love, like we've said before, I would love to see him get some like deep center field targets just to see what his range can do. But his athleticism really shows up in, in a lot of key moments. You know, his uh, two two tackles that I thought uh, were legit run stops. I think you see that speed and, and that burst, you know, off the line really flash. And, you know, a lot of people had these concerns about him as a tackler. And, you know, his missed tackle rate was pretty high in college. But, you know, you and I always felt like it wasn't an issue of, like, instincts. It wasn't an issue of, of recognition. It was just kind of like tackling technique. And I think we've seen him really improve in that regard. You know, he's really wrapping up and closing at a really high level right now. So um, just for the improvements that we've seen from him from last year to now, I think JT Woods is a deserving candidate here. And I thought he played pretty well on Sunday, and and he did against the Rams as well. Yeah, that's a great call there. We've watched it, you know, from the stands, on the sideline, at the scrimmage, these games. He was kind of safety three by default, right, heading into this season. And there was really no battle there by default he was safety three but at this point now having watched almost the entire offseason and almost through the entire preseason he's earned the right to be and I feel significantly better about him now than I did at the end of last season where he had 30 defensive snaps or whatever it was yes 
plenty of things to improve upon. Yes, he has to play in an actual NFL regular season game and play multiple games, but I feel so much better about him. And there was that particular play, I think it was the drive ender on third down, kind of in the red zone, where there wasn't like a whole lot to it. You know, he read the play, but he, he runs into the, the receiver who's trying to block him, recovers, gets past him, and then chases the ball carrier down, yeah. whoever it was, to the sideline and gets him out of bounds. And maybe another player would have gotten there too. But just seeing like the instincts and the physicality and the will and the drive. And of course, after that, he takes off his helmet and he's like, yeah, and he's, he's super pumped. You know, after the pass breakup, I didn't see this um, live, but rewatching the game, you know, he breaks up that pass over the middle and then just like spikes the ball into the ground, which, you know, watch out for the penalties, watch out for the penalties. <laughs> but like, let him have it. Let him do that during the preseason. Yeah. He's, he's feeling confident. He's feeling really good. He's starting to understand the game a bit better. He's, everything's kind of slowing down for him. He's feeling confident against the run, against the pass, against screens. He's in on plays. He's playing with physicality. He looks good, and he's, he's acting very confident, and it's showing. It's just translating from practice to preseason. Things are looking really good for him. Is it perfect? No, but the steps he's taken are tremendous. So, again, 2022 class, 2023 class, a lot of guys were really excited about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The the comfort level for him is is definitely increasing. Um, you know, I, I think the physicality he's played with in the preseason has been a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, not just like from a tackling standpoint, but you mentioned like that going up against that receiver who's trying to block him. You know, he took out some. Um, he took on a pulling guard one time, I think, as well. So the physicality has been a really nice, uh, pleasant surprise to watch. Um, all right, let's get to this uh, 49ers preview a little bit. Um, for me, I'm going to say like the one thing I want to see change differently is is the way that Kellen Moore gets the offense into a rhythm early on in the game. Mm. I felt like watching that game back, there was just kind of a – and understandably, there was a lot going on outside of the game that day. <laughs> but just like the way that the offense came out, I, I, I wasn't in love with the way that the game was called to start out. And again, this is preseason. I'm definitely not knocking Kelmore by any means. Oops, sorry, as I hit my computer there. Um, but I think just like the the way that the offense came out, I, I would really want to see that improved. And I think against the Rams, there was just such an intentionality with the way that they ran the football, with the way that they got Easton Stick in a rhythm. And we really didn't see that uh, against the Saints. It felt like they were trying to do too much at certain times. I felt like they were trying to kind of experiment with other calls that they didn't run uh, last week. And not to say that you don't want to like practice these new things, but I just would like to see Kellen Moore come out, be more intentional with the run game, be more intentional, give, give Easton stick some easy looks, get him in a rhythm to, you know, allow them to really kind of workshop things throughout the rest of the game. It just, it just felt like there was, uh, not a great plan heading into this game. And, and I would like to see that uh, rectified heading into the 49ers game this week. Yes. Yeah, so you and I are almost on the same wavelength there because I felt the same way. I'm just specifically talking about the way that they use their tight ends and, and partially is just because you need to get Easton stick or Max Duggan. If he plays comfortable and working early and it yeah. always, it always feels like what, what do you do with every rookie, right? Every rookie quarterback, every young quarterback, you get the tight ends involved, right? Tight ends are the quarterback's best friend, unless you're Keenan Allen, then of course you're their best friend. But for the most part, you know, you want those tight ends involved. And it really, over the last two games, we haven't seen them, particularly the, the Trey McKitty and Donna Parham, get involved and not necessarily intentionally. Now, 
there was a play that could have been a touchdown. So I guess there was some involvement and that opportunity was missed. But still, I, I feel like you could go back to these guys. I, I do. I don't know if the Chargers need to answer this question. It's more just for me and for us. I am very curious what kind of the plan is for these guys. What can they do? Because Gerald yeah. Everett is at minimum probably gone next year. And maybe he misses a couple of games this season, whatever. You're going to have to rely on, on these guys at some point. And I, we just really haven't seen them do much with the tight end so far. And after watching Easton stick, like first game looked fantastic. Second game, things were a bit of a mess. And we'll see how long he plays this game. But to get him maybe a bit more calmed down, a bit more in a, in a, in a rhythm, how do you involve these tight ends in the passing game? And then another extension of that, can these tight ends in the run game or blocking in the passing game, I guess, can they perform a bit better than they have, um, particularly in the yeah. run game? Now, this isn't necessarily all on the tight ends. Obviously, you have two tackles. Like Your interior is better because you have your actual two of your starters there, and your tackles are not your starters. There's no Zion Johnson prospect playing left tackle, right tackle right now. But right. they should not be more efficient running up the middle. And yet throughout the preseason so far, granted it hasn't been a ton, when Joshua Kelly and Isaiah Spiller run up the middle, they have 13 carries for 78 yards. So six yards per carry. Rushing outside, it's just 11 carries for 39 yards. You should not be twice as effective running in the middle than you are outside. Now, again, I get it. You have Zion Johnson, Jamari Sawyer, Will Claps a good backup veteran. I get that. But you have to find some efficiency there. And it's not all on the tight ends, but I do need to see right. the tight ends do a bit more to help that outside, those outside runs work because you know they felt very downhill and kind of up the middle of the first game. But they tried to go more outside this game, and it was not pretty. So if you're going to try that, hopefully the tight ends can contribute more. Or, or because what we've heard from Joshua Kelly and Kellen Moore's press conferences and the coaches, or do you just stick with what you're good at? And like the, they've been saying, we're going to do the things that we're good at and not the things we're not so good at. And granted, that changes with Rashawn and Trey. But in the preseason, do they right. then just go back to a different rushing game? So I'm kind of on the same wavelength with you. Like, how do they start this game? How do they get Easton Stick and this offense kind of just going and, and flowing throughout the game? Yeah, like I, I think, you know, calling plays in the preseason is, is such a different bag than calling plays for Justin Herbert. Like, shocker, that's <laughs> yeah. very simple, right? But you know, with Justin Herbert, you're able to call a lot of different things, and he doesn't need to like come out and get into a rhythm and give him some gimmies and and you know establish his confidence. You mm -hmm. know, Keenan Allen doesn't need that. Mike Williams doesn't need that. But like this offense is a very young offense that we're seeing in the preseason, and you know, I, I don't think we'll see Zion and Jamari play this this game. You know, the, the third preseason game last year was. Uh, even less, you know, starting caliber players than the previous two. So that's kind of how Brandon Staley has operated. So this is going to be the full backup offensive line. You know, we'll see about Quentin Johnson. I still think he probably plays. Um, but it's not like Easton Sick is is going to come in with a bunch of starters and just have, like, all this confidence. Like, I, I think just the rhythm aspect and the confidence aspect just needs to be addressed heading into this, this matchup. Like, I, give him some easy throws give the guys some yards after catch opportunities because the skill sets are all there. You know, John Hightower is good after the catch. Quentin Johnson's obviously good after the catch. Donald Parham's good after the catch. You know, the running backs are good after contact at this point, which, you know, Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller's improvement from week one to week two yeah. of the preseason, I think should be noted as well as well. 
But I think just like be more intentional to get the offense into a rhythm. And then as the confidence improves, then you can start trying these other kind of concepts and calls that that you are hoping to work on for kind of like the first team in the future. So I just three three and outs to start the game was was pretty disappointing to watch on film because it's like you're trying to get these very valuable reps in these games. And I just didn't love the intentionality that they came out with uh, last week. Yeah, I'm also curious. We'll see how much he plays, but I'm curious what they'll do with Quentin Johnson because it felt like rewatching this, like the first game, he was very clearly the focal point and not just in targets, but like, okay, here's a screen, here's a shallow yeah. crosser. Like, we're going to let you do what you do, see what you got. And of course, he worked vertically. This game, it felt like, yes, he did get the targets, but they kind of just used him more as the true X receiver type. And they tried to also find ways to just, and I understand why, free up like John Hightower a couple of times. And it, it felt like maybe it was a bit more forced to those guys. So I'm very curious if they lean into Quentin Johnson a bit more and really get him ready for week one. Like, okay, we tried some things out. Let's get Easton Stick back on track or Max Duggan if he starts or whatever happens and get you involved early in a way that we did in week one that, granted, the results weren't so good for Quentin Johnston necessarily, but you could tell there was a different way they were getting him involved that game versus this past one. Yeah. All right, Tyler, um, what kind of changes are you looking for from a defensive perspective against the 49ers? Ooh, good question. What changes am I looking forward to? Is Derek Ansley still able to call plays? Is he still out there as the guy who's calling I don't, plays? I don't know what the situation there is. Um, I don't know if uh, he's been very involved. I can see him on the sidelines doing stuff. I don't know if he's calling plays, though. Hmm. I would love to see a shakeup in the defensive line rotation and just to see what some of these guys – no, they've kind of done this. But I want to see what – I feel like we know what we have from some of these edge rushers and from some of the like, – I think Chris Hinton is making it. I think they've sort of made that clear at this point based on the, the snaps that he's had throughout training camp that he's making it. So I'd love to see some of these edge rushers, some of these D tackles get a bit more involved that way. I don't know how much I'd have to check. I mean, I'd have to bug like Arjun for this, for example, like how many stunts they're running and whatnot. It doesn't feel like as much as maybe they'd love to in the regular season, but of course that's, it's the preseason. Um, so maybe the way that they utilize these guys and just changing up the rotation just a little bit. And I think they will by default because it's game three. Yeah, I think Chris Hinton is really the only guy who didn't play as much in the second half. I think he still played a little bit, but the second half was pretty uh, pretty clearly like Gerard Clark, CJ Okoye, let's get them some snaps. Uh, let's rotate in David Moa and Chris Hinton when, when necessary. But, um, you know, I would like to see Terrence Lane get involved a little bit more. We haven't heard from him mm -hmm. in, in a little bit. He's kind of like that practice squad pass rushing defensive tackle, I think. We haven't really seen much from him. Um, so I think that's an interesting one. Um, the Chargers did sign Tay Crowder today, a linebacker for, uh, previously of the Giants and somebody else, the Steelers. There we go. Um, had to think of that real quick. Um, so the linebacker rotation, I think, is, is going to be curious this week. Amen and Nick Neiman were both back at practice today, I believe. So they should be healthy. So I'm curious to see how that one goes as well, just like how the, the linebacker rotation can kind of work out this week. Yeah, and so Eamon, they said Nick was just held out because he was held out, but Eamon was the guy that was held out because of a bit of a precaution there with injury? Well, I think Nick was, like, planned to be – like, I think he was injured. Like, he didn't practice oh. against the Saints, and so that was kind of uh, that whole thing. Eamon must have had something pop up, like, between the second practice and the actual game. Mm -hmm. And so they just rolled with Dayon and Blake Lynch and 
uh, Mikel, Michael, I, I can't remember how you say Jones. it, but uh, yeah, Jones, the kid from Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And then Lynch obviously got injured, so now they have to take Crowder. So we'll see kind of what happens in the linebacker spot. I, I thought Dayon played really well on on, uh, Saturday, on Sunday against the Saints, too, for what it's worth. Yeah, I was he was almost my game ball. Dayon was fantastic. I forget mm-hmm. exactly where he ended up. I think it was like six tackles and five of them were stops. Great game from him. Let's see it again. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, Tyler, anything else that you want to see change this week? Change, not necessarily. It's more just questions that would need answering, which is just some of the guys that are fighting for for that last spot. Yeah, I think if you, specifically on offense, if you want to highlight this, like I think you're talking about one spot for Keelan Doss, John Hightower, Stone Smart, and Elijah Dotson. And I think there's yeah. different arguments for each of them to to make that spot what do you make of of that group heading into the last uh preseason game yep that's the four i was thinking of it's it's going to just take one of them to force the hand of the team i think they've done whatever they've done in practice i think hightower and doss are probably in terms of production in practice probably your your two leads there but doss has made it quite a battle um so as far as this team goes i still think that Hightower would would make it over Doss. So I'm really just looking for, really specifically, Elijah Dotson and, and whether he can force their hand because they very clearly indicated uh, there's a spot open for you if you force it. Yeah. We do not have Larry Roundtree in front of you anymore. Tyler Hoosman has been hurt, so there's no competition really behind you. That spot is yours. Like There's a vacant spot there. Now it might go to a tight end. It might go to a receiver, but it is yours. And... He's done a lot so far to earn that spot. So I still think it goes to a receiver, especially with Jalen Guyton's injury. Um, and I think that kind of breaks the tie. If there's any ties right now, then I think it'll go to a receiver. But I think Dodson can really force this team's hand by having, you know, I think Austin Eckler kind of had it wrapped up the first couple of games for him. But it was really that final game that he played many, many years ago that made the team go, yeah. okay, we have to keep him. And I think Elijah Dodson's yeah. going to need that game whether it's receiving, rushing, catching the football, uh, returning some kickoff returns, whatever. Um, he's going to have to have that kind of game. Yeah, I, I like I said on our show, I, I really like the way that he ran the football on Sunday night. I thought that he was aggressive and physical. Um, obviously, he didn't get to get a, kind of any really big explosive runs, but you know it, those two catches that he dropped, unfortunately, would have been some some nice gains for that offense. But you know it's a, it's a learning process for sure. You know, like I think if you had asked me this question like two weeks ago, I would have said it's not even a question. It's John Hightower. You know, he was so explosive and productive over the first few weeks of training camp. Then he had his his injury, and you know, we didn't hear a ton of him against the Saints in the practice. And then, you know, I thought he was open a few times. Uh, you know, watching the film back, but it wasn't like he was, you know, super uh, consistent against the Saints. You know, he had the two false start penalties. Um, there were a couple times where I thought that he ran the route, uh, ran the wrong route. So and maybe that was just his, his first game back jitters kind of thing. But Keelan Oss has just been a really steady presence for this team and specifically for Easton stick. Like I think he's kind of Stick's security blanket in a way, um, in a similar fashion of, of how Keenan is for Justin, mm. but Keelan is just always in the right spot. I feel like, and, and he's having some, some really good moments. He's working as a gunner at, uh, on the punt team as well. So it's just kind of a matter of, like, pick your flavor, right? Like, I think you can make an argument for Stone Smart being, like, this 
really intriguing tight end prospect who's only played the position really for for two years you know being a uh, former college quarterback but can you really justify keeping four tight ends you know elijah dotson same kind of thing like intriguing prospect but do you really want four running backs again you know or do you want six receivers which receiver do you want maybe the guy who's more explosive versus the guy who's maybe been more consistent so i agree with you i think somebody one of these four needs to have like a breakout performance and that's how they're going to earn a spot because right now i think it's just way too muddy of a picture between this group yeah i even think there's a point where they could just find another defender to add to this team and not keep a sixth receiver or a fourth tight end or a fourth running back uh maybe that's mullen on special teams Uh, maybe they need to find a spot for mark webb because he has been performing well he's just been hurt um maybe it's another linebacker who knows like I, I think, or Gerard Clark, let's keep him. Let's keep 70 tackles because we can't, or CJ Okoye, <laughs> you know, like these, I, I do think the defenders have maybe earned it a bit more. I think they've been more consistent, have been awesome in camp. So I think they could also just see all four guys and go, yeah, I, I'd rather give Jay Rogers, CJ Okoye for another few years than, you know, force myself to have to hold on to Elijah Dotson. Man, seven defensive tackles though. I don't. I don't know about that one. <laughs> let Jay Rogers have it. He's you know. Let him have it. Let him have it. He's he's officially in Ryan Ficken territory where he can just have whatever he wants. Then absolutely. And, and, you, know, and <laughs> you know, maybe he'll play uh, one of the wings at uh, kickoff return too, like Braden did that one. There year. you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Taiwan Mullen at Light and Mark Webb. I think that room needs to be sorted out yeah. a little bit as well. I think we know there's the five corners um, that we feel good about. Obviously, J.C., Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr., um, Jazir Taylor, and Dean Leonard. We know that there's at least four safeties that are going to make it. Um, you know, depending on how Mark Webb's injury is, he's probably that fifth guy. Um, but that that's kind of still up in the air. You know, you mentioned Taiwan Mullen. Cam Brown's had some good moments. The the undrafted free agent from Ohio State. So that's that's a group that needs to be sorted out as well heading into the last preseason game. And, you know, obviously special teams is going to be really crucial there too. Yeah. Whatever happens, it'll happen. I hope everyone does well, and we will react to it next week. Yes, that is right. That is right. So uh, next week at this time, we'll be uh, officially reacting to the Chargers roster cuts. Um, as a reminder, it is an initial 53. You know, there's <laughs> always some movement that happens uh, after cutdown day. Um, hoping anybody who does get cut ends up, you know, on their feet and lands in a good situation. If it's with the Chargers practice squad, obviously great. If it's elsewhere, wish them nothing but the best in those other spots as well. Yeah. Soon. We're almost there. Soon. Almost there. Almost to the regular season, you guys. Uh, We have college football back on Saturday, you know, and uh, we have one final preseason game, and then uh, it's almost to week one. I can't wait. Yeah. I'll be there, too. We'll talk about that. I I can't wait. Like when when Sean comes back on and we're talking about Staley versus McDaniel, like that's going to be awesome. I, I'm excited. We're we're so close to the regular season. <laughs> yeah, this week one matchup is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think the schedule makers did a great job uh, giving the Chargers a really nice home opener. So I'm excited to uh, get to that point. All right, uh, that's going to do it for us today, guys. As always, make sure and subscribe to this channel. Of course, uh, don't want to miss any of the great content that the Chargers are pumping out, including the Hot Ones episode from (laughs) today. Um, Please give us a a subscription over on our channel, the Guilty as Charged podcast channel as well, uh, where we'll have some other great content 
including our roster prediction uh, on Saturday after the uh, preseason game against the 49ers. So uh, appreciate Tyler. Appreciate Greg Kim for producing. And uh, as always, we're super grateful for this platform that the Chargers have given us. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. That's going to do it for us. As always, bolt up. Bolt up.